It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A bathroom at Muller Field is closed following a small structural fire over the weekend. Sitka Fire Department responded to a call about a trash can that was on fire in the men's bathroom on Sunday. By the time the firefighters responded, the fire was out. But the small fire did enough damage to the facility that repairs are needed. Public Works has now closed the bathroom in order to make those repairs, and according to a release from the city, the bathroom will be closed until further notice. Sitka first responders recovered a deceased person from a local harbor Wednesday morning. Sitka police received a call around 9.30 a.m. about a body floating in the water in Eliasson Harbor. Police officers, firefighters, and a dive team all responded. Divers recovered the individual, who was subsequently identified as 37-year-old Amanda Atoyak. Police are investigating the death but do not suspect foul play. Atoyak's next of kin have been notified, and her body is being sent to the Anchorage Medical Examiner for an autopsy. On Monday, police responded to an unintended death at an apartment on Halibut Point Road. 40-year-old Tom Konatzer was pronounced deceased, no foul play is suspected, and next of kin have been notified. The recent premature deaths in Sitka are a reminder of the often increased need for mental health support during the holiday season. On Wednesday afternoon, Dustin Morris, the director of the Alaska chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, delivered a presentation to public health officials during a monthly statewide press conference that, until recently, was dominated by COVID and the resurgence of RSV and influenza. Morris outlined six basic strategies for protecting one's mental health during the holiday season. Here's an excerpt of his remarks. Caring for your mental health may look different this holiday season. So maybe part of caring for your mental health is about what you don't do this holiday season. One aspect of taking care of your mental health involves proactively reducing stressors when you're able, both those in the present right now and those that you may see coming um, down the way. We all have Uh, succumb to the pressures of buying gifts that we can't really afford, only to face looming bills in January as a result. So perhaps this year uh, to try, let's try an alternate tradition that maybe doesn't involve spending. Write someone a note telling them what they mean to you um, or let them know that you aren't exchanging gifts this year. Caring for your mental health is also about authentically letting people know uh, what they can do to help you. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need, even if it means departing from usual uh, traditions or skipping them altogether this year. That's Dustin Morris, director of the Alaska chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, speaking at a monthly teleconference at the Alaska Department of Health. Morris's other tips for supporting mental health over the holidays include there's no right or wrong way to spend the holidays, have a self-care plan for the holidays that prioritizes your mental health and your overall wellness, set healthy boundaries to protect your mental well-being, and it's okay to feel both love and loss over the holidays. In fact, there can be room for all our feelings this time of year. Morris acknowledges that many people feel confronted with the expectations of the season and the responsibility of spending time with family members or others who make us feel worse rather than better. Morris suggests reaching out to people who are genuinely supportive and stepping back from unrealistic obligations. When you think about the holiday season, um, many of us connect with our traditions and ground ourselves with um, 
our histories, right? And our feelings towards one another and our hope for a new year. And the holiday season may feel different for many of us. For many of us, there will be loved ones missing along with accompanying sadness. Many are also experiencing financial stressors or other hardships. Some are feeling, uh, feeling sheer exhaustion from the many changes we have had to navigate just to get through. Um, you may even wish to ignore that there is a holiday season at all this year. Morris says the Alaska Caroline is open and staffed all throughout the holidays for anyone who feels in need of support or is concerned about the mental well-being and safety of someone else. The number to call or text is 988. Wranglesboro Assembly has set aside just over $2 million to begin development of a new housing subdivision. The location is the site of a former boarding school for Alaska Native children. But as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, there are many unanswered questions about how to move forward with the project. Wrangell's housing market is cramped, and local officials see the 134-acre former Wrangell Institute property as a way to relieve the pressure. There's a high need right now for housing, um, and we don't have a whole lot of opportunities to be able to, to provide lots for housing, and this would do it. Borough manager Jeff Good told assembly members at a December 20th meeting that developing lots at the site is a very important investment. The borough has held the property since the late 1990s. The boarding school closed in 1975. So recommendation um, from administration is that we, we make the commitment to, to get this out to the public and get these lots sold then um, try to recoup some of that money back so that we can then develop the second phase. The first phase of development will bring water, sewer, and electricity to 20 new lots at the site of the former Bureau of Indian Education boarding school. It'll also rough in roads for the second phase of development. The subdivision will be named Aldertop Village after the historic Tlingit place name Keishan Gita'an. The design for the subdivision is already about a third of the way through the process with Ketchikan-based R&M Engineering. Once the design is complete, the borough will be able to request bids for construction. Good explained funding for development is a mishmash from the community's water, sewer, and electric funds, as well as about $1.5 million from sales taxes. As far as the distribution of how that will be funded, um, because they're enterprise funds, it will benefit directly from that as well. That it's whatever enterprise funds are required, like sewer or water, they'll kick in a portion of that, whatever it is. That's how the funds are distributed out as far as how the work would be allocated. Wrangell's Borough Assembly unanimously approved the funding, but some had questions and concerns. Assemblymember Jim DeBoard noted that Wrangell's utility capacity, especially for the sewer system, might not be able to support 20 new houses without upgrades. As part of this, we need to have some type of a bigger plan to make sure that the infrastructure we have now is also usable for out there. I don't want to build an entire community and then our water pipes fail internally and now we built this brand new subdivision and can't provide water for them. DeBoard also noted Wrangell is an aging community. Many seniors who already receive a major property tax break don't live in town year-round. That could cramp the borough's return on investment if people who aren't living in town snap up the properties, he said. I don't know how you even address this, but I just have this fear that it turns into some type of a retirement community and then you have people who live here half the year and don't pay taxes half the year and then when they're here it's a residence that they're exempt from property tax on so it's a pretty big investment i, I don't know how you mitigate that or if you even can 
it's just a, a concern. Jeff was just talking about how many people have turned off their water to go down south for the for the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's they're not at City Market or Bob's buying groceries or fuel or you know they're not here. So just a concern I have going forward. Borough officials said they're still working on cost estimates for exactly what will be able to be developed with the money. It's not clear yet, for example, whether it might be possible to wire the subdivision underground instead of having electric lines above the ground. Above-ground lines have caused days-long blackouts for parts of town as recently as last winter. Assemblymember Dave Powell said he'd approve a bit more funding if it meant more attractive lots. I mean, if we're talking, you know... Fifty, hundred thousand dollars difference to put everything on this thing underground. I mean, anybody that lives in on this hill that looks this way can mm-hmm. attest exactly. that they'd really like to have some wires out of their view. But I mean, same situation. I would just like to, if we're going to do something like this, I would like to make it appealing for people to buy the properties. Assembly members also discussed the possibility of setting aside lots for green areas. And although it wasn't mentioned at the meeting, Wrangell's tribal government has discussed placing a memorial for Native children from all over the state who attended the Wrangell Institute somewhere at the site. The borough has been working toward a new housing development at the site since 2016, but the process was paused in the spring of 2021 after the remains of more than 200 Indigenous children were found on the grounds of a boarding school in Canada. Borough officials say they hope to receive a conditional permit from the Army Corps of Engineers early next year. And if project milestones are met without much delay, they say construction could begin as early as next summer. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Yesterday was the winter solstice. For some in Juneau, it's an opportunity to work toward healing from colonialism. The Hatuch Tlichish Coalition is a violence prevention organization in Juneau. They're organizing their first winter solstice celebration, says Jamie Ann Hasselquist. It's like a way to decolonize the holiday a little bit and get in tune with spirituality and set intention and come together in community to do some traditional base healing projects. Hasselquist says that for Indigenous people, forced conversion to Christianity during the boarding school era has caused continued harm. A holiday that is not linked to that creates space for healing. But when we're only focusing on one, that's really has been the greatest harm, the colonial harm around the world. Southeast Alaska saw six hours and 23 minutes of sunlight Wednesday. On Thursday, we'll gain four more seconds of daylight and more again every day after until June. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. This 